Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. My name is Jeremy. And Adam, you seem extra excited to be doing this issue of the X-Men. Oh, this is one of my favorites so far. No, that's not true. We just haven't done this in a while. We're out of practice, and so I'm excited to be back in the game. Really, I thought you had a I thought you had a thing for the September 1967 issue number 36 <laughs> X-Men something about a dude named Meccano and him living. I yeah, those are my typically my favorite ones, the September 1967 the issue number 36s. Those are generally my favorites. You got a whole wall like in your bedroom or your man cave that's got every issue that was ever released in 1967 that's uh, issue 36 from September. I do. That'd be awesome. <laughs> you could actually do that nowadays because with the whole DC 52 every all the 36s are going to come out at the same time. I might just buy every issue 36 of DC that makes it that far. What if those issues don't land in September? Well, they're definitely not going to land in September 1967. <laughs> all right, fair enough. All right, I'll buy an issue in the 30s that comes out in September. No, you won't. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So on the cover of this issue, we got a green guy who's clutching Cyclops and Cyclops is blasting away and angels coming in and Marvel girls running up some stairs and beasts climbing the scaling the wall, kind of like Spider-Man and Iceman comes in on a very unsupported ice slide. (laughs) That looks dangerous. (laughs) It looks like he's on a big uh, piece of ice gum. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I want to know who is Meccano, and when I see a title like So-and-So Lives, I'm instantly recalled back to Friday the 13th, part 5, Jason <laughs> Lives, right? And in that, and actually, that was actually kind of a misnomer because it was a guy representing himself as Jason, and it wasn't actually Jason. But still, what it does is it conjures up like, somebody died, and then he came back. Like, if you saw a movie that said, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula Lives, wouldn't you say, oh, like, oh, this is a sequel, well, yeah, but that's because of Jason having been dead before he lived. Back in the 60s, so-and-so lives just means that uh, what should not be living is now living, I guess. Or it just means like, you know, it could be Iceman lives. Cause... Or like, it's, it's, it could also be like a, uh, a replacement word for attacks. Oh, or it could be anything, really. It could be like, Meccano breathes. Yeah. <laughs> Meccano eats. Meccano sleeps. <laughs> He's got like a whole series of uh, appearances in the Avengers. It's it's Meccano runs, and in the Fantastic Four, it's Meccano falls. <laughs> well, it's... if we go by the cover, Meccano lives clearly means Meccano throws Cyclops off of a building. Yeah, so Cyclops won't be living, apparently. I guess. There's a river in the background. It's kind of a cool perspective shot, which brings us to our big change this issue. 
What's that? Werner Roth is not the artist. What? I know. I was just getting used to his very standardized, boring panel layout drawings. And then they go and change everything. Well, let's turn the page and enter and see who the artist is here. Let's see. Stan Lee punctiliously presents a Roy Thomas, Ross Andrew. Ross Andrew? I don't like it already. Let's not read this one. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Issue 37. (laughs) Uh, Panorama of pandemonium packed panels. That means artist. Sure. Inked by George Bell, lettered by Sam Rosen, and already... Uh, taking a page from the cover, ha 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 pun, uh, there's another perspective shot of Beast jumping from a, what would you call that, a, a balcony or the top second? Banister? Yeah, jumping from the second level where there's a banister down to the first level. So it's really a big perspective shot of his feet. Did you ever watch Mystery Science Theater 3000? Of course. 4000? 3000, yeah, of course. Didn't they have a running gag where they talked about... Uh, banister deaths or uh, deaths that were over flipped over banisters or something like that. You know, it, it, it certainly wouldn't surprise me, but I don't recall anything of that. Somebody somewhere had a running gag like that, and it was hilarious. Well, this is not Beast falling off of the banister. It's him jumping off the banister and kicking, based on the hairline, the Sandman in the face. <laughs> and the shirt and the pants, because... Every villain wears a green shirt and brown pants. Honestly, it could be any Spider-Man villain. (laughs) It looks like the Green Goblin to me. Oh, yeah, it could be uh, Osborn. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Anyways, so, uh, yeah, and so the the issue is actually called Meccano Lives, with a big exclamation point. We're agreed it's it's pronounced Meccano, not Meccano or Meccano. Look, if you want to call him Meccano, you go right (laughs) ahead, but I'm going to stick with Meccano. I agree with you. Meccano okay. sounds good. So, so what's going on here is that uh, there are some burglars in the house, uh, presumably in the middle of the day. They've just decided to burglarize the X-Mansion and Beast, um, you know, being the usual Beast self, hits first, asks questions later, and kicks somebody in the face. Well, when there's strange men around, so is the Beast. <laughs> And uh, if you go to the next page, we get some more, lots more perspective shots. We get, uh, instead of just his feet, we get his face first and his feet behind him. I don't think Werner Roth really did too much with perspective. Uh, And and he's lunging at the other uh, burglar. And then on the next panel, you get another perspective shot. And this one's a repeat. It's it's, uh, feet, crotch, and feet (laughs) is all I see out of this perspective shot. And a chin. uh, and oh yes, and a chin, or it could be, uh, you know, it could be his balls, <laughs> beast balls <laughs> may have fallen out of his little X trunks. No, no. <laughs> okay, fine. It's his, uh, it's his chin. So what is this? Okay, beast gets hit by the other crook upside the face. With what kind of bag is that? Well, you know, it, it's what, got like a hammer sticking out of it or something. To me, it looks like one of those weights in like Wiley Coyote that falls. It would say like one ton. To me, it looks like a gas siphoner. Yeah, or a purse with a with a nightstick sticking out of it. Hmm. Uh, a black gas can, maybe. Sure. I don't know what it is. It doesn't have dollar signs on it, so we know it's not money. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, 
The other X-Men are in a computer room. Called the windowless inner chamber. Yes. And they don't really tell us what this machine is, but I guess we can infer that it's Cerebro. And they're kind of rehashing like, oh, where's the professor? We better find him. Anybody seen Beast? Ah, he's around. (laughs) He heard a noise upstairs. It's probably just the wind, but he went to investigate. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, he can take care of himself. Especially when battling the wind. (laughs) We trust him with that job. Nobody wants him touching Cerebro. He'll use a (laughs) screwdriver where he needs a wrench. You've all seen him do it. (laughs) And again, another perspective shot of the beast punching out one of the burglars. He's head first coming towards us. Like, oh man, if they could have done like a 3D rendering of this, it would would be like he's coming out of the page. Whoa. I know. I'm tripping over here, man. Tripping. (laughs) Then the second crook comes up behind the beast and smashes a chair over the top of him. See what this solid wood chair does for you. He has to point out that it is a solid wood chair. Yep. It's it's a real WWF story here, folks. <laughs> we cut back to the other X-Men using their mutant detecting machine, which uh, is also known as Cerebro. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have determined that the secret stronghold of Factor 3 is in the Alps, which I thought we knew from the spider issue last time from uh, Banshee, who sent back messages. We knew that Banshee was unconscious. They were tracing Banshee's uh, headband. Ugh. All right. So... <laughs> so what I, I like this little screen here with the green dot and the arrow pointing directly at it. Arrow, arrow. So what you're telling me is that Factor 3 is by this arrow. Yes. How did that arrow get there? I don't know. It's not enough that you have a green dot in the middle of all this red stuff. You need an arrow to point at the green dot. I actually hadn't noticed that before you pointed out. That is rather funny. Uh, So Iceman showing his true colors mentions that he's really getting a little bit worried about the beastie. And uh, he thought he might have heard some crashing out of there. Cyclops now agrees, uh, but you know Hank, he'll he'll give us a call if he needs us. Now get back to business. And uh, Angel says we better get to Europe, everybody, so we can get the professor. If we're not already too late, says Marvel Girl, because the professor's what dead. I don't even know at this point. It's he's been Nobody gone. Dies. He's been gone for like five issues or something, hasn't he? That's true. <laughs> Anyways, so we go back and uh, more perspective shots here, just like faces, like right in your face, right in our face. And the beast is swinging around this burglar. I mean, these burglars have to be like broken up and bruised and bloodied by now with the beating that uh, beast has given them. Now, I guess they don't recognize him as the beast because the the guy says the chair barely phased him. He ain't human. No, which I guess. Well, and that's when uh, Beast says, apparently, you are remiss in your mutant lore. So he he spills the beans that, oh, I'm a mutant. I, well, I guess a... the Sandman doesn't recognize him because the other guy thinks to himself, it's one of the mutants, the guy they call the Beast, the orange guy. Well, Mike, why are they hanging out in their costumes anyways? I mean, if you're in your your base, which is the mansion, which is a your, your cover story is that it's a school for gifted teenagers or whatever, why are you... Why are you... You should only ever be in your costume when you're on a mission. Well, they haven't 
changed since they got back from Spider-Man's adventure, the Spider-Adventure. Okay, fine. So, and plus they're planning to go to Europe, so they're all in costume and ready. All right, so, I mean, the only reason I say that is by Beast going out in his costume. I mean, he basically said, you know, either these villains are like, uh, you know, I'd be more afraid of them being like, who's this guy? Who do these guys think they are? A bunch of rich people in a, in a costume party dressing like the <laughs> X-Men? Weird. Or he's like, oh, my God, I found the stronghold of the X-Men. Well, anyways, either way, it doesn't matter. Beast makes, uh, he does get tackled a little bit, but it doesn't matter. Beast pretty much, pretty much makes short work of these two burglars. He flips the orange burglar over a table, and the orange burglar kicks the Sandman in the face. Yep. And so Beast, uh, uh, and so Beast picks up the two guys and carries the two guys down to the Cerebro for some reason, rather than calling up the X-Men and saying, hey, get up here, I got some problems. But actually, I guess it's a good thing that they do because Cyclops points out that, uh-oh, they're going to know our secret identities. Which I don't know how they would because none of them are famous. These guys probably don't know who lives in the mansion. I guess they could be like, oh, in that mansion are the X-Men. Yeah, and then people could be like, well, wait, in that mansion are Scott Summers and Jean, Marvel, Jean Grey Marvel Girl something. So anyway, so, so they brainwash them. Yeah, <laughs> it turns out, uh, even though the professor has forgotten how to mind wipe people, the X-Men have discovered that the Cerebro has that capability built right in. Yeah, very which, handy. Which begs the question, why didn't they use this on the blob the two times he was there? And, didn't, you know, everybody else, Eunice, not Eunice, uh, um, Mimic. Not only do they brainwash them, but they force them to go to the police and turn themselves in. So this is where I can only um, assume that the guy with the green shirt and the brown pants becomes Meccano because he's going to remember bits and pieces of this and he'll want to exact his revenge. Otherwise, there'd be no reason for having this burglary scene in the comic book. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I hate to burst your bubble, Jeremy, but that's not going to happen. Neither of these guys become Meccano? No, I'm sorry. All right. Well, this this will Spoilers. Pro- <laughs> this will probably be the last we see of these two guys then since they're walking off the panel mind-wiped, right? Yeah, we'll see. Okay. So they decide, uh, after they sent these two guys off to the police station, that they need to now get to Europe. All right. And here is, okay, I think these two panels are mixed up. Which two panels? Oh, I wanted to talk about these two panels. We can spend a couple of minutes doing that, or a couple moments. Let's. I want to hear these, what you have to say. The, the, okay, we're on the, the bottom two panels on page four, I feel like the one where they're in the jet, should be the first, and the one where Warren's on the phone should be second. Um, well, let's let's back. Then, let's yeah, I I can agree with that. But there's a couple of other things I let's let's describe the two panels. And then there's a couple of things I want to comment on about this. So in the first, yeah, there's there's yeah, there's other issues. I agree. <laughs> in the first panel, which Adam is saying should be the second panel of the bottom two, uh, you have 
angel on the phone, and he says, he says, this is Warren. I'd like to speak to my father. What? Oh, yes, I forgot. He's on vacation. Well, so much for that. In my excitement, I forgot that my parents went on a Caribbean cruise. So clearly they're trying to get some money so that they can get to Europe because apparently they don't have any. Then in the next panel, somebody is in the cockpit of the jet. And that somebody who is not Marvel Girl or Angel or Cyclops and probably not Beast based on the pose of the guy that's in the foreground says... No, it it definitely like can't be Beast because Iceman is covered in ice. But it's also not Iceman because Iceman is covered in ice. Well, Iceman could have thawed out, but he doesn't wear one of those cowls, does he? No, so he the, doesn't. Yeah. So the person in the airplane has a regular X suit with a cowl, but the other four X Men minus Iceman are standing in the hangar below the jet. So this mis- right. this mystery X Man is in the jet, and he says. Uh, There's not enough gas in here to get us to Brooklyn, let alone Europe. It's risky, but maybe I could con my parents into shelling out the plane fare, which could lead into what you just said, that this should be the first panel. That should be Angel. Then Angel calls his parents and says, oops, I forgot. But Angel is clearly on the floor of the hangar. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's some errors going on here. Um, Far be it for me to... uh not want to win a no prize, but I have no idea what's going on. You know, it'll be interesting. This is issue 36. So in issue 38 or 39, we should look for that no prize in the letters column. I'm guessing that what appears to be the angel's wings is actually Iceman hunched over. And, but, um, but there are three male cowled heads behind Marvel girl. And the person in front of Angel's wings is actually an ice statue that Iceman created. <laughs> oh, and added color. Added some food coloring to make it all color. <laughs> yeah. okay. So uh, the new artist, uh, Andrew, uh, or whatever his name is, I think made a mistake. And um, how do you switch two panels? Wasn't anybody reading this? Apparently, Stanley was editing too many comic books. It's time to hire some other editors. You know, this isn't a time before, like, uh, PageMaker and other layout software, so it's not like they could just drag and drop these panels back and forth, you know? Well, how does... Yeah. How does this ever happen, though? It just doesn't make any sense. Um, They were not paying close attention. At all. They How, how do you... I, I'm baffled. Bamboozled. So if in fact we can't blame the artist because the artist probably came first. Yep. Did his little thing. So it was Roy Thomas writing in the dialogue who somehow didn't realize. Well, but Roy Thomas, he's got to come through here and he's got to look at this and be like, um, hmm. I got an angel on the floor. And I got an angel in the airplane. Hmm. What am I going to do about this? <laughs> and apparently nobody had any whiteout or erasers, so they couldn't just, you know, fix it up. I, look, I don't know, Adam. I uh, Maybe it wasn't colored in yet either, and he thought that maybe one of be, them looked kind of Iceman-ish. That could be. Maybe, he is, maybe it's the colorist's fault. No, because there's wings there. Those are clearly wings. Unless maybe, maybe, that's a lab coat hanging on the wall... 
And the guy that those wings look like they're attached to is actually Iceman. But the colorist came through and just made a mistake. You know what? I just realized what it is. It's a Mimic cameo. <gasps> That's what it is. Mimic regained his powers temporarily to come in, hang out by the hangar, and uh, in the next page we learn that he is left. Yep. Oh, actually, in the next page, uh, this is maybe where the third panel got mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> because all of a sudden we're back to these three burglars who are at the police station. We're like, uh, and then in 1965 we knocked over a warehouse in Jersey. Yeah, yeah, and that safe-cracking job in Scarsdale. And... Uh, yeah. So maybe all three of those panels were mixed up. Because there's no reason that this next page would contain a panel from a story that ended last page. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I am so confused. Well, anyways, there it is. Okay, so then we move on. The X-Men uh, have gotten into their plain clothes. They've climbed into the, um, what is this thing? Their black the X-Limo. <laughs> their ex limo it's a rolls royce and uh they oh, it's a limo well they call it a limo but they also say uh i still don't get it why don't we just buy borrow money on our rolls royce this is where this is the only really uh interesting part of the comic book in my opinion the x-men have no money because the professor only gives them a 75 cent stipend as we've talked about before Apparently, the professor does not trust these people because he doesn't keep any money laying around his mansion. Uh, <laughs> and apparently, in uh, the case of an emergency, he doesn't give Cyclops, his trusted deputy leader, access to maybe some of the secret uh, reserve money that, that one might have in the event that he gets kidnapped or killed or something. So the X-Men literally have no money, and their only other source of money the Worthingtons, are in the Caribbean on a cruise in which they cannot get a hold of them. And apparently Warren has no access to money at all unless his parents are around. Right, exactly. So his parents don't trust him either. So there's a, there's a lot of trust issues going on here. Marvel Girl, actually we'll, we'll say Jean Grey and Warren Worthington go into the Welfare Center on New York's Lower East Side. Now, they make a couple of mistakes here. First of all, they show up in a Rolls Royce. Well, they can't really control that because uh that's apparently the only thing the professor left the keys behind it too <laughs> the second thing that they made a mistake is um they they parked the rolls royce too close to the welfare center as we'll see in a minute and the third mistake they made is uh warren worthington hair nicely combed he's wearing a tie and a suit jacket marvel girls wearing a nice little yellow number uh they clearly do not look like they need any welfare well, I mean, you don't go to the welfare office looking all raggedy. You try to look, you try to look presentable. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the uh, welfare, what do you call this, clerk, if you will, um, she goes through some re uh, requirements. Oh, you don't have a good residency. We can't get a hold of your parents. And uh, your parents are clearly rich because they're on a sea cruise. Yes, because Warren spills the bean about, oh, you can't get a hold of them. They're on a sea cruise. And she says, uh, no, I can't help you out. Uh, and then as they pull away, she point she pokes her head out the window and sees them pulling off in a Rolls Royce. And she's like, ah, ah, trying to game the system. I knew it. <laughs> that settles it. It was some sort of college initiation stunt. I knew it all along. How could anyone with a car like that need a handout? Ooh, so even in like the 60s, there's some divisiveness going on about the welfare and the handout and all that sort of stuff. 
Those dirty Rolls Royce driving punks. <laughs> and so they move on to their next money making scheme. <laughs> the theme of the issue is making money. This is all. I, look, I like these. That that I like these few pages. So in this, because because it, it's always uh, you know if you're a superhero fan. Um, at some point in your superhero idolizing uh, career, if you will, lifespan, you've said, well, if I had this superpower, I could make money in this way, <laughs> right? Like if I could fly, I'd save people and I'd get paid for it. If I had uh, ice power, I could refrigerate stuff. Or, I don't know, whatever you come up with. But So that's what that's literally what they're doing in this issue, and I would challenge you to find... Well, I bet you it would probably be easy. But I bet you there's not too many issues that deal with poor superheroes other than Spider-Man trying to use their powers to make (laughs) money. Anyways, uh, so they arrive on a construction site, and they're like, okay, uh, I think this is Cyclops' plan. And he's like, okay, follow me. I got an idea. Let's all get changed into our X outfits, which is what? why would they show up to the job site in their plain clothes, find a shack, which is probably like the um, foreman's office, and use it's it labeled to, "keep out" <laughs> in, in a building labeled "leap out," keep out, uh, and change into their X costumes. It doesn't really make any sense, but anyways, they do. One of the, uh, well, I think it actually is the foreman recognizes uh, Marvel Girl as one of those mutant X Men, and she says, "Hey, I'm looking for a job." <laughs> <laughs> and he says get on your knees no he says uh, <laughs> uh he says oh you're kidding you're x-men uh where where are the rest of your buddies and that's when the rest of the x-men pile out of the keep out room and they say hey we're the x-men just watch us give us a shot and we sure do need jobs <laughs> boy howdy uh marvel girl levitates i think herself to the top of the construction structure apparently they're building a building she levitates some girders in the air angel fly cyclops up there he kind of spot welds them in place and they're done and uh the 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 guy in charge the uh what what did you the foreman the foreman yep the foreman is very impressed, and he says, uh, please show me your union cards, and I'll put you guys right to work. Union cards? <laughs> Since when do mutants need to belong to a union, Angel says. And he would because, you know, he's very wealthy, probably owns some corporations, and really has something against those dirty unions and all their <laughs> pathetic little rights. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Uh, it, but the, yes, so they don't have union cards, and not only that, the foreman points out that look, you go get your union cards, and uh, that'll only take a couple of days. You can start, and then uh, you know we can get you your paycheck in a week or so. Yeah. And they're like, "What? We don't have that kind of time." I mean, are these X Men so naive that they believe that the foreman's just got a big pocket full of cash to pay off the <laughs> workers? <laughs> I would believe they are. First of all, the foreman doesn't own the construction company. He's generally going to be some sort of contractor who's getting money from blah, blah, blah. He doesn't have any cash. All right, so the X-Men change back into their plain clothes. uh, And then they learn that their Rolls Royce is missing. Yeah, it was towed. Towed away. But why was it towed away? Adam, 
Why was it towed away? It was towed away because they parked next to a fire hydrant. Those idiots. <laughs> well, in their in their defense, there was there was a sign in front of it, but it's going to cost forty dollars to bail it out. The uh, fire hydrant says New York is a fun city. And uh, it, uh, Warren Worthington says, "Well, then it stays unbailed. We can't even afford a cab down to the village." When a mysterious man who pointed out the fire hydrant in the first place says. The village? Yeah, this is uh, Tom Regal, a very nice fellow who offers to give the X-Men a ride to the village. But uh, he's he's got a little Volkswagen that he, he offers them. Yes, in another unflattering, unsuperhero-like way, they cram into the back of this Volkswagen. <laughs> it's pretty funny. And somebody in the back seat, which looks... Like it should be Marvel Girl says, Hey buddy, what's in this box on the floor? It's heavy. Hey buddy. <laughs> <clears throat> and McK- er, and and Tom Regal goes from zero to angry in no time flat. Hey, I'll give you a ride to the village. Keep your hands off of it. I don't mean to lose <laughs> my temper, but it contains a valuable science project I'm working on. There's a lot of bolding and such going on. When it's finished, I'll show them what I can do. I can show everybody. It's at this point that, aren't you kind of like, all right, I think we'll just uh, we'll walk from here. <laughs> but no, they uh, they continue on to get... Yeah, the Cyclops thinks to himself, you know, hmm. this guy's crazy, but we need a ride. Hey, and I like what he says. He says, whew, this guy's got a mad on at the world. That seems like um, current lingo there. Or modern lingo. That sounds that sounds like modern lingo. Huh. That Cyclops guy, was ahead of his time. That guy's got a mad on at this world. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, still, it, uh, I guess you can't look a gift horse in the mouth. So, so what we didn't mention was that Beast and Iceman actually left the others. Yes, they did. Because they had a plan, and apparently their plan involved gr- uh, growing new limbs. Because in the next <laughs> panel... <laughs> Iceman has six arms and one and two legs, and Beast has six legs and two arms. Well, they need all of those limbs, Adam, if they're going to juggle all of those bowling pins. <laughs> it was uh, Iceman's bright idea to go do some circus clowning and draw a crowd and maybe get some money from them, and that's exactly what they're doing is throwing around some... Uh, juggling what are those things that you juggle what are those called pins pins yeah okay they look like bowling pins so i guess that's what they are yep so tom regal drops them off and marvel girls complaining like his own car brand new clothes and that guy still thinks as if he's an underprivileged child but Uh, he's okay says genie i or no Uh, he's okay genie says warren uh he's okay genie says warren he's uh he sim- Warren sympathizes with him. He's the privileged always side with the privileged. Because deep down, Warren also feels underprivileged. I mean, look, he can't get it as money. Yeah. This is the saddest issue for Warren yet. <laughs> so uh, Tom Regal uh, stops his Volkswagen, pulls his box out, and he says, Ah, there's a crowd, just what I wanted. But I've got to move fast so nobody notices. And uh, that's... But that's okay, because uh, Iceman and Beast are causing a commotion by juggling, and... Cyclops and 
Angel and Marvel Girl are impressed. Uh, they're hoping that this can, in fact, get them some money. Although, how much money could it possibly get them? They need, what, five plane tickets? So it's 1967. I would say that each one of these people throws out a nickel, maybe, average. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's about, eh, I'd say there's about eh, 75 people. We'll call it 100 people, just to keep it even. So what is that? That's just like it's like $50. The X-Men got to think bigger. <laughs> well, that's, that's what uh, Angel says. He says, let's get into our costume and help them out and collect more money. Then we can get to... Uh, then we're halfway to Europe, so he's, I guess, he's optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> There's some police officers in the crowd. One of them is kind of annoyed that there are two mutants starting something up, but the other one's like, well, they're not, uh, they're not doing anything against the law, so let's just keep an eye on them. I don't know of any law against freezing the water in the fountain, and I, what about, like, public disturbing the peace, public distraction... <laughs> Uh, exhibition without a uh, exhibition without a permit, uh, any number of things. I'm not Rookie even cops. <laughs> <laughs> ah, this is their first day on the beat. <laughs> All right. So then, uh, one of the cops says, "Uh oh, feast your eyes on the top of that arch, Charlie." And there's a strange guy in a green and gold suit saying. Listen, all of you. Listen, heed the words of the magnificent Meccano. Oh, here we have Meccano. Finally, you are all you are privileged to be the first to see me in action as I demolish the new memorial library which adjoins this park. How convenient. Yeah, finally, some action. So he's uh he's speaking into his mega phone and he's thanking Iceman and Beast for causing the commotion. Uh so trying to create this like thanks partners. Now we can yeah. do what we set out for. For it was they who agreed to attract such a crowd here to witness the dramatic debut of Meccano. In the next panel, we see that the library arches are collapsing. <laughs> or sinking. <laughs> Meccano hasn't even done anything and the arches are already sinking. It's uh, another one of those crazy angles. Yeah, it's really crazy uh, since it makes no sense. Or at least we're not seeing the whole scope of the picture. But anyways... Uh, Meccano swings down. Uh, he's apparently got a rope attached to a cloud because <laughs> if you look <laughs> he's at the, taking the Spider-Man method of swinging around. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Whatever's above the panel is holding up my rope. Uh, but in the previous panel, we can see that there's at least 20 feet of blue sky straight above Meccano. So there's nowhere possible that that rope could be attached to. He's got a helicopter. Ah, how <laughs> handy. Well, I like how they say it. Then, as the youth grabs a high tensile cable, it's almost as if it was just there. <laughs> Even though we don't see it on the previous panel, but yes, it just, you know, just swung in. Oh, hey, look, a high, a high tensile cable. I shall use this to descend to the ground. So anyways, uh, Beast and Iceman are now quick to want, uh, they want to clear their names. And uh, I don't think I've ever seen Iceman be taken down quicker. <laughs> by a non-mutant, nonetheless. Uh, so as he's sliding down to the ground, one cop grabs his arm and snaps some handcuffs on it and quickly cuffs it to a fence. And another cop swings around and grabs his other arm and handcuffs it to another part of the fence. And in the last panel on the entire page, he really looks traumatized here. <laughs> it looks like... He's being whipped or somehow humiliated. 
He doesn't look very happy in this panel. You know what I see in this panel? What? Naked Destro. <laughs> Underneath his clothes, another silver body mask. <laughs> <laughs> um. So my question here is, you know, Iceman, he's made out of ice. He can freeze molecules or how whatever he does. Couldn't he freeze it to such a degree that the metal becomes brittle and he just kind of snaps his way out? I believe he's done things like that in the past. Or or couldn't he, so he's got the handcuffs around his wrists, couldn't he, like, expand the mass of ice below the handcuffs to, uh, again, snap off the, the handcuffs? Any number of tricks. Well, like you said, he's just so upset by being taken down so easily, he's not thinking straight. Agreed. Okay, so anyways, Iceman's out of the equation. <laughs> uh, Beast quickly quickly realizes that this guy's made out of some exoskeleton, and that must mean that it's doubling his strength and stuff. He jumps in front of him and uh, tries to talk to him, which isn't very beast-like. Mm-mm. And uh, for all his uh, kindness, and he gets punched in the stomach with a large thunk. It's an awesome punch to the gut. <laughs> Takes Beast in the air. Um, the guy, in all of his uh, close-up face face pictures, shows a lot of teeth. I don't know if you <laughs> yeah, noticed he that. He's got this dumb-looking helmet that covers half of his face and then just lots of teeth. He's a very smiley guy. Kind He's having a good time. Yeah, I got my suit on. I'm about to punch the Beast in the gut. I'm happy. So yeah, and then he uh, so he punches him in the gut, and then he uppercuts him. It looks like, mm-hmm. and then he takes off and walks through the library's glass windows. And uh, he said he points out that this library was due to be dedicated today, so everybody's gonna be here. And when I'm through, it will never open, never. So apparently, he hates books. Yes. <laughs> Books are dumb. Uh, Ice, or I'm sorry, Angel and Cyclops follow behind him. And oh, they've changed their costumes. Yep, Meccano is painting books. He's pushing bookshelves over, naming them as he destroys them. Yeah, yeah. Shakespeare, Zola, Hemingway, all of you overrated pencil pushers of days past. So he's a, he must be a like fed up writer. Yeah, yeah, he's like, he's making way for his body of work that he's about to write. <laughs> One day when I write my book, there'll be room in this library for it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so, uh, yeah, they're kind of watching. They're like, hey, something's wrong with that guy. Something else must be bothering him. Tormenting him, even. Angel votes that they go knock him out, and the police show up behind them and, Hold it, you're coming with us. Your barefoot buddy outside eluded us, referring to Beast, but we've got you two, and that overgrown vandal in there is next. Uh Uh-oh. How do we get out of this without anybody getting hurt? And their guns float away, and Marvel Girl finally shows up. I'll I'll bet Warren never again complains that I take a few extra seconds to get into costume, she says. (laughs) Or she thinks to herself. Mm Mm-hmm. Girls. Yep. <laughs> uh, and so uh, Cyclops, being the deputy leader that he is, says, hey, don't attack him. He's dangerous and powerful. And Angel is like, oh, I got my wings. 
I do this every time. <laughs> and it never works. Maybe this time. One of these days I'll prove you wrong, Cyclops. <laughs> you know, if you keep doing the same thing, eventually you're going to get the results that you want. And he doesn't. He gets punched in the face. Uh, Cyclops so- takes a blast at him, but uh, gets a bookshelf thrown at him for all his effort. Yeah, and he's... he Yeah, he, and he... Yeah. Cut. <laughs> okay, anyways. <laughs> yes, he does. And uh, toss that entire bookcase at me as easily as I could toss a paper plane. Easier, clown, and I'll do the same to you if you cross my path again. So take my advice and get lost. He runs through a door, runs up some stairs, realizes that he can jump up the stairs like a human kangaroo, rips a door off at the top of the stairs. Ah, the library's audio-visual center. Just the section I was looking for. I hate movies. <laughs> uh, I hate microfiche. <laughs> and so Cyclops and Angel, they run up the stairs quickly after Meccano. Meccano's up Angel, there. Angel comments that I'll be fine as soon as I untangle myself from this volume of Picasso prints. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh, but it's funny. <laughs> That's dumb. So meanwhile, Meccano is upstairs in the microfiche room ripping apart microfiche machines or some <laughs> other audiovisual type equipment from 1967. It looks like the uh, library has a low-rent Cerebro. Kind of, but whatever they're wrecking, Cyclops is actually pretty happy about it if you look on the second panel. <laughs> Big old tooth, he's like, yeah, you wrecked that thing. He looks kind of like Bizarro or something. What is it with you, Meccano? Wait, wait. So if he's got that big smile, he's saying it like this. What is it with you, Meccano? Why the urge to demolish a harmless library? <laughs> That's what he would sound like if he was literally smiling like that. And since we know that Meccano is always smiling, <laughs> he's also saying, Harmless? How would you know it's harmless? Here, Cyclops. Maybe this reading <laughs> machine will give you some smarts. If only I can get my visor open in time. <laughs> and then nobody smiles anymore. <laughs> Thankfully, jeez. Uh, so he he uh, gets his visor open. This is where right. this is where it this all. Is, yes, this is very confusing. Go ahead. This is where it gets a little bit interesting uh, in terms of Cyclops's power. We've been led to believe through all thirty-five issues preceding this one that his power is very deadly and dangerous and difficult to control. And if he lets go of it for just one moment, the danger he could cause would be unfathomable unfathomable no as i've understood cyclops's power up to this point it is a force so anything that he blasts gets forced away yes not so <laughs> correct so what he's using here is so this okay so Meccano started out by ripping apart this machine but apparently there's one reading machine as Meccano calls it that is thrown at Cyclops that Cyclops feels the need to somehow save and his plan for saving that is to open up his optic blasts and catch the valuable machine and slowly lower it to the floor as if he's creating some sort of uh, force shelf with his power that can carry the device to the ground Uh, I don't think that this is an accurate representation of his powers I don't either, unless somehow, like, maybe if he was directly underneath it, 
and slowly lowering it to the ground by lowering his power. I think, but it, then it would land on top of him. Yeah, it would crush him. But I still think, I mean, it, well, yes, we always talk about his power being destructive and, and a forceful, a forcing push away, right? And if you if you open it up quick enough, you get such a force that it would blow a hole through a wall or something. I suspect we'll never see this effect again. <laughs> I suspect you're right. <laughs> Anyhow, um, Angel's not phased by it at all. He's like, oh, well, Scott, Scott's, well, while Scott's doing that, I'll take another crack at our buddy. Because that him. always works. <laughs> yes. And it doesn't, once again. But uh, the good news is Cyclops was successfully able to lower that valuable piece of machinery to the ground with his optic blasts. Actually, we never see that, so I'm betting he dropped it. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, he says it. He says it at the bottom of page 16. He says to himself, Oh, rats, you're right. I managed to lower the machine without harming it. Uh-oh, Warren's zooming at Meccano again, and it's too late to <laughs> stop him. <laughs> Why does he keep doing that? <laughs> Stupid angel. Anyhow, um, and this time it's to uh, Cyclops' detriment because he flings Angel at Cyclops, knocking them both down. And, okay, I have a problem with this. Okay. Meccano is using Angel as a shield. Okay. On one side of Meccano is Cyclops, mm-hmm. and on the other side of Meccano is Beast. Right. They're both not directly in front of him. Right. So, and Yet it... he throws Angel and hits both of them. <laughs> right. Well, you know, Angel stretches out at the last minute. <laughs> if I'm going to take one guy, I'm going to take them both. Uh, in the third panel is... Angel's mouth blue in yours? Uh, no. Okay. He His chin is blue. Okay. His mouth has teeth in it, so I can see... Because uh... in, in mine, it really looks like where his mouth is. It kind of looks like one of those blue meanie guys from the Yellow Submarine. <laughs> <laughs> that must just be the coloring in mine. Anyhow... Well, where do you see, do you see his eye? I see his eye, which is shrouded all in black, and then directly below that is a, is a strip of blue, and in that oh. strip of blue is kind of like a mouth-looking thing. It's got some teeth. Okay, yours is different than mine, then. Okay, and then below that, it's uh, flesh-colored to indicate his chin. Oh, that's true. They swapped him. Huh. Because the, uh, the, the flesh-colored chin in mine is blue. And the mouth and nose are flesh-colored. Anyways, uh, Meccano's running away, and uh, Beast gets back up and uh, chases after him. But it doesn't matter because Meccano uses his grasshopper power to leap from one building to another building. Sort of. Because he jumps across the buildings, and J. Jonah Jameson gets out of a taxi cab and says, But who could have such incredible leaping power and how? It's that Spider-Man again. <laughs> I tell you, he's a menace. Meccano misses the other building and uh, uh, grabs on to the side with his hands, and he's slipping, and the concrete is cracking, and he's falling. He grabs onto the ledge too hard and rips the ledge right off, and now he's falling to his doom. That's a powerful suit. Yeah. And even his exoskeleton won't brace me from such a fall. I will be killed. Luckily, Marvel Girl... Has been standing outside. And Wait. why? 
Because Cyclops told her to. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I had Jean wait outside. (laughs) Aha. Well, that's uh, Cyclops is a good planner. That guy's fist has the kick of a mule, says Angel. And that's why I had Jean wait outside. Ah. So that's that's not not good. Everything's wrapped up like a neat little package, I guess. So Marvel Girl being outside, having being forced to wait outside by the male X-Men and the team, <laughs> happens to uh, see Meccano falling off the edge of this building and manages to stop her, him, to stop him. Yep, and Cyclops says, we're here, Marvel Girl, and thanks. You can let him down, but slowly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, that's nice. Oh, yeah. oh too fast, too fast. Slow down, slow down. <laughs> okay, so then the police uh, run up and they say, oh, you hold them's hands up. Uh, back away, mister, because J. Jonah Jameson has walked up to Meccano and the X-Men for some reason. Apparently he's still looking for Spider-Man. And uh, it's actually at this point when we realize that it is actually not J. Jonah Jameson. One of the cops calls him Mr. Regal. But hmm. it's Mr. Regal. Mr. Regal? Doesn't that sound familiar, Jeremy? It does. It's, it, it's related to that Volkswagen driver whose name was Tom Regal. You're right! How are all of these things connected? And, and does this tie into those burglars from the beginning of the issue? And, and, <laughs> it and, must! And will one of the Regals be part of the Factor 3 storyline that we've been ever so waiting to finish? No! Ah. <laughs> uh, right. Well, I guess it turns out that as they unmask Meccano, uh, they find out that it's Tom Regal. Just as I suspected when I heard your voice. It's you, my own son. Your son? Yes, yeah, Dad. Dad. <laughs> I was the one that broke in, not the X-Men. This is one of the rare instances where the villain owns up to everything. <laughs> he does. He's, he's very, uh, he takes a lot of responsibility for, for what's going on here. And Cyclops recalls back, it's the one who gave us a lift, in case us, the reader, forgot. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, I guess I was tired of being Tom Regal, the philanthropist's kid. Ever since I can recall, it seemed to me like everyone in town got some of your time and trouble. Everyone but your own son. I wanted to do something, anything to get you to notice me. I... Oh, I, I never knew you felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> son, I don't know if this is an appropriate relationship that we have between us. In your issue, uh, does Tom Regal have uh, colored-in eyes, or are they white? They're white. Yeah, very creepy-looking. He looks, yes, he's very creepy-looking. He's still showing off his teeth, though, so it's at least he's consistent. He's, yeah, he's kind of happy. He's like, yeah, you know, Dad, I like you. <laughs> and so... And he makes kind of a scrunched-up funny face. Mr. Regal says, so, well, it looks like I'm the one who's guilty here. Not you. What? That's what I told myself when I got when I stole this get up from the university research center. But I was wrong. I wanted you to notice me, but not this way. Not as a criminal. Looks Cyclops like, thinks to himself, looks like that brush with death shocked Tom's with senses. Which I guess we have to believe. Yet I know it's too late for us wait. Yet I know it's too late for a simple I'm sorry. I'm come I'm ready to take what's ever coming to me, whatever it might be. Yeah, what a great villain. He's just like, yeah, cuff me up. <laughs> like like that ice guy you got over that by that fence still. 
Iceman is melted. <laughs> uh, you gonna take care of him? He 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 does not look happy over there. Uh, kids are like spray painting him and kicking him and stuff. Come <laughs> on, I'm just sitting here. <laughs> Leave me alone. So Dad's like, well, you know, I guess I can't press charges because I'd be pressing charges against myself. <laughs> because that library is technically mine. Till the dedication. What about the X-Men, says one of the nearby officers. The The X-Men? And this is where, if it wasn't already dumb, it just got a little bit dumber. (laughs) Somehow I can sense that I owe you youngsters a lot. He must be a mutant. He has the power to sense when he owes someone. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Uh, If you'd accept a reward. No rewards, Mr. Regal, but if you could loan us the cost of plane tickets to Central Europe... It's just so random. Uh, oh, all right. That's okay. Well, no reward, but could you loan us some plane tickets? To Central uh, Europe? What? Well, uh, I, this uh, saving well, my... I was, I was thinking like, a, you know, some ice cream. Uh, I'll give you plane tickets, but saving my son like this, this is more of like a trip to Ohio or something, you know. <laughs> You guys are a pretty cool bunch, but, uh, you know, maybe you could uh, hitchhike the rest of the way or something. I don't know. And uh, Beast points out that it's going to be a staggering total of $1,500. Yeah, so I'm not sure how Iceman and Beast thought they were going to make that money by doing some juggling. (laughs) Well, they're very ambitious teenagers. Uh, Mr. Regal says, done, and it's not a fraction of the debt you owe to me. At which point somebody should have said, fine, make it $15,000 and we'll call it even, but nobody does. And uh, anyhow, uh, Mr. Regal gives, uh, and actually he looks like Patrick Stewart in this rendering, <laughs> in my opinion. Right now, Tom and I have to head uptown to a certain research center. He's got some explaining to do, eh, son? I sure do, Dad. But it won't be so hard with you there. I hate rich people. Mr. LaForge, enter in a course to Rigel 7. T, Earl Grey, hot. <laughs> and so the X-Men change into their plane clothes, head off to the airport finally, and they talk about some Factor 3 stuff. Which, look, mm-hmm. at this point, they're going to, I don't even know what's going to happen, but it's not going to involve Factor 3. So they board a plane... And what's this? What's this? Mysterious cameras on them as they're boarding a plane? Yes, apparently airline security and the TSA hasn't been invented yet because there is a terrorist with a camera on the tarmac watching people board an airplane. (laughs) And a crazy dude with a weird helmet watching the whole thing unfold. The fool! Do they really believe that merely by changing back to their student selves they can escape the watchful eye of Factor 3? Hmm? Do they not realize that their every action is carefully monitored, closely scrutinized? A pity they do not suspect that they shall never reach our stronghold alive. And then he reaches... And then he reaches down and pets his cat. (laughs) Will they? He's got a funny-shaped head. It looks like a woman's... Shoe, <laughs> yes, it does actually. A, a, a woman, high heel. a high heel shoe with like some spikes sticking out the side. <laughs> it's like a big platform sh- shoe, actually. On, on yeah, the top of his head. it's a big, weird platform heel. shoe. 
Like there should be some goldfish or something inside of there swimming <laughs> around. Uh, anyways, yeah, yeah. So, so I think he's right. I mean, if he has the power to watch the X-Men's every move with his special cameras, I think the X-Men are screwed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Next issue promises disaster. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. There you go, folks. X-Men 36 is, uh, it's, uh, it's all done. Sleeper <laughs> issue of the year? Was this better or worse than the Spider-Man issue? Um, well, the Spider-Man issue had Spider-Man in it, so this was definitely worse. <laughs> all righty. But I enjoyed this issue nonetheless. It was silly. I like I said earlier in the uh podcast, I really like the the whole superhero trying to earn money aspect of it. Uh but the burglars at the beginning were were pointless it seemed and uh Meccano useless. Uh so all in all, clearly somebody had to work out some perspective art issues. Yeah. So a couple of interesting things presented themselves in this issue, and uh, and it's something that we've been talking about a lot lately. In this theory that Adam came up with, in which the maybe the artist and the writer get together and plot things out and kind of come to a consensus about like the overall feel. At which point the artist takes off and draws a bunch of stuff, and then the artist, I'm sorry, the writer then comes in and throws the script on top or sometimes tries to work things together. And as a matter of fact, we got a letter from a fan about that very same subject. Yes. This letter is from uh, Brandon Perdue, and he titles it The Marvelous Marvel Method and The Puppet Master 2. Hey, guys, I'm a little behind the time, so you might have already heard responses about this kind of stuff. Nope. But here's my Silver Age Marvel knowledge that might enlighten a few things about the X-Men. I just finished listening to Danger Room 28, and several times you again commented on how it seems like the dialogue was written after the comic was drawn. This is, in fact, precisely what happened in italics. One of the things Marvel tried doing differently when they really started gaining popularity in the 60s was use what they called the Marvel Method to produce their comics. The comic would be plotted by the writer sometimes in cooperation with the artist, depending on the team. Then the artist would draw the comic based on this plot, and the writer would go back and put in dialogue. Sometimes this does result in awkward transitions and even entire books that make almost no sense, especially when communication between writer and artist broke down. See some of the issues of Amazing Amazing Spider-Man near the end of Steve Ditko's time drawing the book when he and Stan were not on speaking terms. Lots of little factoids in this letter. Yeah. This is a risky method, obviously, but sometimes the results were very good, especially with artists like Ditko or Jack Kirby, who were skilled visual storytellers in their own right. So, that uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's largely how Adam and I do this podcast. I'll record my part, and then Adam will come along later and record his part, and then we just kind of sandwich it together. And uh, sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Folks, you uh, you find the episodes where we did that in. Yeah, I like apple trees. Bicycles are fun. <laughs> he also talks about uh, the Puppet Master. He, the Puppet Master also came up in that episode, and since I listened to quite a few podcasts like your own, I happen to li- have recently been enlightened as to who this guy actually is, thanks to the... Can we mention another name of another podcast on our podcast? Hmm. He mentions the Fantasticast, which I've never heard. All right, shout out to Fantasticast. Give them a chance, though neither one of us have listened to them and can't 
vouch for their quality. But Brendan thinks they're great. All right, good enough for me. And he's already enlightened us in one way. At this point, he's our uh, resident expert, so... uh, That would be awesome. We need a resident expert. The Puppet Master appeared first as an FF villain, and again and again, which is why he's usually trying to use the X-Men against the FF, I suppose. More importantly, he's the stepfather of Alicia Masters, the blind girl who learns to love Ben Grimm even in his hideous form as the thing. Oh, I thought he was his, uh, her father. So that that's interesting. We learned that from the Fantastic Four number 14 or whatever that we read back then. 28. 28. You were 14. halfway there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a multiple of seven. Anyhow. Apparently he fell out of the window and died at, the first his, died at the end of his first appearance. I'm not sure how he's really dead because he's a super villain, I guess. I look forward to continue to explain the strangest teenagers of all along with you. Keep it up. Brandon Manchester, UK via Pittsburgh. From issue 28 to 36, Brandon, I hope you're still with us. And uh, thanks for sticking in with us and giving us that tidbit of knowledge. That's why we do this podcast, so that we can learn new things about the lore of the X-Men and certainly any tricks and tips of the trade that Marvel invented along the way. We also got, uh, as you may recall, fair listener or uh, Pussycat, as we sometimes like to call you, um, a, either last issue or the issue, either last issue sewed or the issue sewed prior, we received a message from one Henry Baker who uh, had mm, told us about that he had recorded some audio and we went off on that whole let's do a whole audio segment thing. So he did send us his audio and um, perhaps. We will play it right here. You and the X-Men have saved the world from nuclear holocaust, but you lost a man to do it. And try as you might, you can't balance scales in your mind or in your heart. Can you, Cyclops? No. Can you? No. Can you? No! No! He's never cut loose like this before, without thought or care or restraint. The power flows through him like a thing alive, and for those few moments there is hatred in him. Yes, but there is a glory too, an unholy glory, a need, a hunger. But then the need moments pass, and Scott Summers is himself again. Oh, my lord, what have I done? Way to go, hero. I got to hand it to you, Summers. When they were given out brains and common sense, you must not have even bothered to stand online. You know how dangerous your eye beams are. So that was Henry Baker's clip. Uh, we urge you, uh, fair listener, pussycat, if you will, to find your favorite X-Men quote, panel, page, what have you. Keep it short. Record the parts. You can be Kitty Pride and Wolverine, or you could be Cable or some new mutant or... You know, you Iceman, Polaris, Havoc, whatever you want, whatever scene you like, record the dialogue, change up the voice, make it cool, send it to us, keep it to about a minute, and we'll slap it at the end of the podcast, and uh, you will be on a podcast. <laughs> Forever enshrined. Yes. Immortalized in the digital bits that are the internet. Oh, I like it. Immortalized in the digital bits. Yeah. You're a wordsmith. Thank you. Well, well, that's what we'll name our segment from now on. <laughs> Join us for Immortalized in the Digital Bits. This is Henry Baker. Anyhow, um, 
anything else? Any other? There has come to our attention a another podcast on the playing field doing the exact same thing that we're doing, an issue-by-issue analysis of the X-Men. They are a Superman to our Batman, if you will. The hell does that mean? <laughs> one of us can fly and the other one is rich? I, no, it just... <laughs> Batman's awesome. Oh, so can we be Batman? Yeah, they're they're the Superman to our Batman. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, I would have gone with like a a plastic man to our Mister Fantastic, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or the Aquaman to our any other superhero ever. <laughs> Aquaman to what is the Marvel? Oh, oh Namor, Submariner. I'll Namor take, the Gamor. <laughs> I take Namor any day over Aquaman because at least he can get out of the water and fly and stuff. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So there's a there's this other podcast and so um, yeah, edit that in. One other thing I wanted to bring up, uh, and we'll we'll bring you some details, dear listener, on this this other nefarious podcast rogue podcast if you will potentially we don't know but we'll let you know because we don't want to steer you wrong if there's another x-men podcast on the playing field it must match the quality that we strive to bring you week after week and sometimes bi-weekly after bi-weekly and sometimes you know monthly (laughs) (laughs) but there's one other thing i wanted to bring up before we before we wrap this whole thing up i was uh, looking at the itunes charts now we are in the hobbies section of the iTunes categorization. And uh, I have bad news. Uh-oh. We're not even in the top 1,000 podcasts in the hobbies section. So you are saying that we need to move sections? No, I'm just saying that if... <laughs> <laughs> yes, we need to uh, move ourselves to uh, relationship help <laughs> and uh, hope for the best there. No, uh, th- it shouldn't be that difficult. I mean, there's a overall, of all of the iTunes podcasts to get in the top 1,000, there's probably some competition there. So that's shooting my size real high. But we should be able to get in the top 1,000 of hobbies, don't you think? So, How do you know the word? Did you like? Did you scan all one thousand of the top one thousand? Maybe. <laughs> that's that's irrelevant. That's neither here nor there. The point is, dear listener, as you're uh, facebooking and tweeting and God help you, myspacing, if you could spread the word and tell your X Men fans about this little podcast where they go issue by issue, tell them the first issues are a little sketchy, but they get better as they go on, and help us get a new goal set top 1,000 in the hobbies of iTunes categorization charts. We can only do it with you. That's right. And, um, because I, I, I've, I've found that I can't create more than five iTunes accounts to bump up our charts. <laughs> I kid about that part. Really, you guys are listening to the podcast right now, so I want you to, I want you to, put down your headphones. No, wait, not yet. Hold on. <laughs> when you're done listening to this, I want you to put down your headphones, and go to the iTunes, look up Danger Room, and give us a five-star rating. And if you want to give us a review, do that too. Corwano gave us a review of one word, awesome. I would like to see how many awesomes we could get. 
So if you don't feel like typing something, just put in some awesome. Yeah. Or OMG awesome. The, yeah. We <laughs> can be the most awesome podcast ever. There you go. All right. Well, that's enough. Uh, that's enough begging from me anyways. Adam, you got anything else you want to beg about? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that's enough. Okay. We don't need to mention that we're, we have a webpage at redcapproductions.com slash danger room and that you can send us email at danger room at redcapproductions.com. Uh, yeah. Or you can go to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast, or you can go to Twitter and follow us at go danger room, danger room, go danger room, go. We don't need to mention any of that. Nope. Okay, so uh, if that's the case, then I guess uh, the danger room is closed.